Howdy. What's going on? Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. It is heard live every day, by the way, from noon until 3 on WBT Radio in Charlotte. And if you want exclusive content, invitations to events, the weekly live stream, my daily show prep with links, become a patron. Go to the PeteCallanerShow.com. This podcast is also supported by North Carolina businesses, so please consider supporting them. Try not to skip through their short ad. Make sure you hit the subscribe button to get every episode for free right to your smartphone or tablet. And thanks so much for your support. As we continue now, third hour up and running on the Pete Callender broadcast program here on WBT. I am former Congressman Jason Lewis, more importantly, former WBT talk show host. Back filling in for Pete, as I do for a few of the other gang or the other guys here on the station. It's always good to be back. I, I fill in at my old station in Minneapolis once in a while, Charlotte, Denver, Sacramento, all over. Uh, in fact, I used to fill in for Rush quite a bit. Um, but there are so many, you know what, we should do a show on that at some point, but all the changes in broadcasting. It's just nice to be back uh, talking with all of my friends in the Carolinas because it was such an important part of my career of uh, being at WBT for five years in two separate sittings and uh, always enjoyed it. I love the Queen City and love talking to you folks, so let's get to some of those calls. It is hard to recap what we've been talking about, though, today. Uh, that is that... What's going on with regard to the Hunter Biden scandal and what we wouldn't have known had none of this happened had, you know, had Hillary Clinton won in 2016, we wouldn't have known about the DOJ. We wouldn't have known about Hunter. We wouldn't have known about anything. And now we're finding it out. What we do know is there's there's rot in our administrative state. And it is incumbent upon us, if we still want to live in a free country, to get to the bottom of it. And that's what Devin Nunez was talking about, Virginia Fox. That's what I've been talking about. And I think that's what a lot of people are starting to realize uh, right now. Anyway, 704-570-1110. Let's uh, devote this this hour to you, uh, the callers. You can uh, talk about anything that's on your mind here, as we always do on WBT. So let's kick it off with Marty in Harrisburg. You are first up this hour on the program. Welcome. Hey, good to have you back. Always good to be back. Uh, yeah. Hey, um, Jason, I'm I'm uh, getting more involved in local government as I can, but as an independent trucker, um, it's kind of difficult. But, you know, the thing is, we had the Governor Cooper recently declare a state of emergency because he didn't like the uh, pro-life bill that was passed. And here, here we've got these uh, Democrats that are wanting to take a little tiny slice of privileged people to try to give them a waiver on their, on their, uh, uh, you know, uh, what's the word I want? Their uh, college tuition, right? Mm -hmm. Their loans. Okay, so here's the thing. Right now, everybody knows that everybody's suffering, especially single parents with kids. Uh, you've got all these people out here that are under the weight of high taxes in North Carolina, that we've got also the the policies of the current regime that are screwing all of us. I think it's time for everybody to start rising up and putting pressure on Cooper and say, "Hey, everybody's got everybody's gotten a hard time right now. How about you declare an emergency and you cut taxes for food, clothing, and labor for starters for everybody? That way, everybody makes out, and you don't have to cut a slice." for just a privileged few. That's my thought. I'm glad you brought this up. I'm so glad you brought this up, Marty, because North Carolina right now, 
is on the cusp. It's 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 got to decide. It's on the precipice of becoming either Florida or Minnesota. Minnesota, where I represented in Congress and where I lived for so many years, is in a total 100% free fall. And it is in a free fall because people, the most productive people, are leaving that state whose quality of life has been destroyed by riots and COVID lockdowns and high taxes. And they're going to Texas or Florida or Arizona, you name it. North Carolina, and right now we know that the legislature says they're close to a budget deal that would cut taxes. It's either going to cut taxes or follow Roy Cooper, who wants to be the next Tim Walls or Phil Murphy, and raise them while he raises Medicaid expansion. Um, yep. And does the bidding of Planned Parenthood in the, in the, in the process. Exactly. So this is a real time of of choosing for North Carolina. You you will either be a growth state or you will drive people away. It's as simple as that. And I will tell you, you don't have to take my word for it. The Census Bureau and the IRS, when they look at income tax returns filed, are, are showing a massive exodus from Jersey, New York, yep. Massachusetts, California, Minnesota, Michigan, and they're going to those states. Will North Carolina attract the most productive, or will they drive yep. them out? If Roy Cooper has yeah, their way, what, they will drive out people out like you. Connecticut was the communist practices and the high taxes. When Weicker got in up there, he destroyed Connecticut, and that's what drove us down here. And you know what? Now it's becoming like up there down here. Well, that's right. I mean, under this supposed deal in Raleigh, the state income tax, it should be eliminated. There should be no in-state income tax. For, for, you know, you look at places like Wyoming and Alaska and Texas and Florida and Tennessee, they fund state government without an income tax. How do they do it? Mm -hmm. You know, you don't have to have it. And it's a little bit like you know, when I say abolish the or, or defund the FBI or the CIA. Well, you can't do that. What would, what would take their place? The same thing that was there before. Secret Service agents, Treasury agents, and the OSS. You don't have to have these things. But yeah. be that as it what? may, the, 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 uh, the tax the law that might happen. is to start investigating where their money's going. And another organization that I've come across a while back is OpenTheBooks.com. OpenTheBooks.com has a resource on their website how to engage local citizens into pressuring their their governments um, and municipalities to show where is all this money going. Oh, sure. And, hey, I don't think I like where our money is going. Time for you to fess up and let's change things. There's so much waste. It's disgusting. Well, I'll tell you where it's going. i tell you where it's going. The Cooper administration is aiming to extend Medicaid coverage to people who, who I mean, there's going to be a massive expansion like it was under the Affordable Care Act, which really dwarfed anything else. And so you're going to, you're going to have extended government-free health care for 600,000 adults more. That's where it's going. And by the way, the more people they get on Medicaid, the more they will have to ration health care. Because you overwhelm the system. Yep. And, and that's, that's exactly what's happening to patients. So that's where one area where Cooper's spending the money. But look, yep. the bottom line is this, and I'll let you go, Marty. The bottom line is you've got a state that's spending too much and still has a nearly 5% income tax rate. Now, you can move to Florida and never file an estate tax return or an income tax return as long as you live. What are people going to do? They're going to say, oh, well, gee, I, I, I think I'll stay in the Carolinas. 
They're going to get up and leave, and if they leave, they're going to take their capital with them. Exactly. Yep. Well, you know, that's their, that's their, their plan is to rape us and pillage us to the point where there's no middle class. And that's, yeah. that's their plan for one world government, communism, whatever you want to call it. People need to wake up and see that it really is nefarious. And these people are planning our destruction because they don't like free citizens who think for themselves and don't believe everything that's shoved down their throat. Marty, got to run. Thanks for the call. Be very, very careful of those metaphors. I heard one in there. Uh, you could go to jail for that. You know when that started, by the way? I mean, when, when you remember when crosshairs in memes were illegal? What, what the mainstream media has done so cleverly teeing up the Justice Department and the prosecutorial zeal is they first started taking words out of context. They take a standard metaphor. We're going to fight like hell. And they're going to say, oh, that's targeting people. And then it was pronouns. And now, and by the way, there is a case of <laughs> a pronoun case in New Jersey you got to hear about. But when they do that and when they distort words to try to torpedo Supreme Court justices or politicians, they did it. CNN did it to me. What happens is they tee it up for people to say, well, that's that's why why that's insurrection. And pretty soon you wind up in a in a D.C. jail. I mean, it's it's really is nefarious. That's it's a pretty good point. Holding down the fort, as they say. Before I get to Brenda, you know, Marty had talked. I, I, I had sort of kidded Marty about metaphors, but I, but I'm dead serious about this. The perversion of speech is a tool in the arsenal of tyrants everywhere, everywhere. And you can say, if you like, it started with Robert Bork, whose name became a verb. You got borked which meant someone has taken your words, your opinions, your columns, your speech out of context to the point of being unrecognizable for political purposes. They tried it with Reagan, his old radio broadcast. They tried, And now it's reached a zenith with Robert F. Kennedy Jr., with Donald Trump, with talk show hosts, with members of Congress. Um, there, there's a group of petulant little bloggers at CNN called K-File, and they really are a scurrilous bunch of nitwits. And they, they pride themselves in bringing down Trump officials. That's their own words. But they go after Republicans for the things they've said. So whether it's Mar- uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene or anybody else, look at what they said, look at what they said. And they distort the meaning to such degree that you would never know it. They, they would take a, 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 an analogy, something absurd, and they would deliberately say, well, the person actually meant it literally, and therefore they ought to be disqualified from ever running for office again. You remember your member of Congress um, um, up, up north, they set sort of the temple, template with the Hawthorne. I think it's Hawthorne, right? You can correct me on, on, on that if I'm wrong. But they sent the template and they said, this guy encouraged the insurrectionists on January 6th by, by speaking. And therefore, he's an insurrectionist himself. And therefore, under the 14th Amendment, he can't run again. Now, that's what they're trying to do to Trump if this pending indictment ever comes down. Not the one on Mar-a-Lago or the records. This is the one where Trump ins- you know, caused the insurrection. Why? Because he said the term, fight like hell. Now, he also said to go up to the Capitol and be peaceable, march peacefully. But that doesn't matter. They're just taking a, a metaphor, a simile, out of context to prosecute someone. 
And it started in the media. And if you ever want to know why we got to the point where we can't tell the difference between pronouns, between a girl and a boy, this, this is what these people do. It's like Humpty Dumpty. Their idea of words mean exactly what they want them to mean. Depends on the meaning of the word is, is. So now, the New Jersey State Board of Education has a proposal to eliminate gender nouns and pronouns. It's part of their managing for equality and equity in education. Now, state legislators, a few Republican state legislators in uh, in New Jersey are upset about that, trying to do something about it. But understand, we are in the midst of a culture war. And the Republicans come kicking and screaming. They're being dragged into it, and they don't want to be in it. It ain't going away. You can't close your eyes to this anymore. A corporate tax cut is not going to fix what they're doing to our children under COVID or sexualizing them in the name of transgenderism. Nothing fiscally is going to fix that. I'd rather be talking about the economy too, but when they're eviscerating the First Amendment and the Bill of Rights and free speech, when they're sexualizing and grooming children, when they're opening the border and handing over our supply chain to China, you might want to move on from supply-side economics to battling the real threat. And that is the great angst within the GOP right now. There are members who realize, you know, we really do have to do something about this. We move beyond supply side versus Keynesianism. We're now in the midst of a culture war. And we can't hide our head in the sand any longer. I don't care whether the issue is transgenderism, biological reality, whether it's, you know, get, I mean, the hypocrisy is deafening, just deafening. Get this. Liberals are, are demanding that the Arkansas Law, Act 372, which banned obscenity in books for minors, it, for minors, they got a judge to strike it down. And they're, they're, you know, patting themselves on the back for that because they say, the government should not be interfering between a parent and a child. They say the same thing about gender-affirming care that's making millions for big corporate hospitals and nonprofit hospitals. Um, they say the government should not be interfering. But yet, if states want to protect minors... They, you know, like why they're saying, well, you can't do that. The state needs to interfere. They have no, absolutely zero principle involved in this. We're going to have values. It depends on whose they are. All right. More on that in a minute. First, let me tell you, the Heritage Life Skills event was fantastic. Every year, Bill and Jan Sturette organize the event to help people get educated on how to be prepared for anything. The Sturettes own Carolina Readiness Supply, 2,000 square feet of supplies and educational materials you'll need for any kind of emergency. Food, water purifiers, lighting, tools, first aid kits, instructional materials, camping and hiking supplies, because being prepared is just smart. The Heritage Life Skills event brings educators and vendors from all over to help people do just that. I was honored to be able to be a small part of it. And whether you're an experienced prepper, 
have no clue what you're doing, or maybe you're somewhere in between, Carolina Readiness Supply can help you. In Waynesville and always at CarolinaReadiness.com, veteran-owned Carolina Readiness Supply. Will you be ready when the lights go out? So on the one hand, you've got these these states that are protecting transgenderism. Really, it's it's a sop to the, the, the children's hospitals across the country that are doing these gender-affirming care for millions or if not billions of dollars. They love this stuff. And so they're saying the state shall not, shall not interfere by pretending to protect minors and banning um, gender, transgender surgery for minors. That's not fair. The state can't interfere. But yet, Minnesota just passed a law banning conversion therapy for minors. What happened to state interference? And what's okay if a child and a parent wants to take their want to go to a psychologist who engages in conversion therapy. But no, 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 we can't have that. Can't have that. The state's got to intervene. Okay, well, the state's going to intervene and ban mutilation of minors before they realize that they really aren't a girl or aren't a boy. No, 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 no. State can't interfere there. You start to see where this is going. This is an agenda. And, and I, you know, without being accused of being prudish, and, and, and I will tell you, just so you can't call me a hypocrite, <laughs> I'm not a prude. In fact, nobody sowed more wild oats in college than I did. I sowed so many, they thought I was majoring in agriculture. But there, there are things that are reserved in, in society for adults. And there is an innocence reserved for children until they have the maturity that comes with years to handle things. We protect them. We have somehow jumped the shark, adults have, when it comes to sex. Anything goes. Drag queens in elementary school. I mean, there are, there are things adults are doing to kids now that would have been, would have been child abuse not that many years ago. And now it's a campaign proposal. Uh, this, again, is an inflection point. We better get a handle on this before we screw up the next generation permanently. 704-570-1110. Brenda, thanks for your patience. You're next up on the Pete Callender Show with me, Jason Lewis. Jason? Yes, Brenda. It's fantastic to hear you back in the Carolinas. Always enjoy being in the Carolinas. Uh, it holds a special place in my heart. But when did education become not a state matter? Well, now you are really, really proposing something interesting. Yeah, My understanding of the Constitution is that education is a state matter. Well, it's true. And for a number of years, there, the state wasn't even involved. Um, some cynics say that government only got involved a hundred and. 50 years ago, so they could discriminate against those darn Catholics who were ruining everything in the Northeast. But uh, you, you, you're, there is no purview for the federal government education, and states still do provide the bulk of the funding, but you're quite right. The federal creep is becoming bigger and bigger every year, and that's why there's a Higher Education Act in, in Congress. Um, so, yeah, it's a real problem. But at some point, think about this. 
at some point, you've got to ask yourself the philosophical question, and I'm not really proposing this as much as I am asking it. If you were a tyrant or a dictator, and you wanted to preserve your legacy and your power ad infinitum, isn't the first thing you would do to make certain that the government educates kids? Yes. Yeah. You would hand your children over to state-run education so there are no crazy ideas like, you know, liberty and freedom and constitutionalism gets imparted in their little minds. And so it is an interesting philosophical point that do, do people really think that if the government didn't provide education, none would be provided? No. Private schools would pop up everywhere. Cheap private schools. They and are now. They are now. That's exactly right. School choice is burgeoning in all red states. It's only the blue states that are fighting it. Um, but, but think about this. If, if you could get your property taxes back in exchange for educating your own children, would you take that deal? Because that's where the bulk of education funding comes from, local property taxes. Goodness. Uh, Brenda, I think a lot of people might. Give me my $10,000 a year back plus my state income taxes that go towards K through 12, which is the largest item on most state budgets. Oh, heaven forbid. People would be $20,000 richer a year, but they'd have to go out and pay $3,000, $4,000, $5,000 a year in a tuition. Well, they would do that. Well, that's what Biden wants us to do now. Well, no, Biden doesn't want us to do that. Biden wants you to pay off the government student guarantee right. to government-run institutions. Brenda, thanks so much. Good to hear your voice. I appreciate it. it it's, I mean, it is a philosophical question. Um, there was a time when public education, government education worked because there was a consensus in America. Everybody rose for the national anthem. You said the Pledge of Allegiance every day. There was a modesty when it came to sexual matters. You didn't discuss it with minors. All of that worked in the 40s and 50s because everybody agreed. Today, you have a band of zealots who are, and I want to be clear about this, engaged in what we used to call child abuse. What was done to children under COVID? What was done to their medical freedom? What is being done in taking drag queens to elementary schools and the kiddie parades? Gender transitioning? Banning conversion therapy, but a school counselor can tell a kid, well, maybe you're not really a boy, maybe you're a girl, but let's not tell your parents. I don't know how a system, a universal system funded by the government that does that has the trust of the people to the point of sustainability. I really don't. All right, now you've heard me talk about them. Old Grouch's Military Surplus. They're expanding with more ways to get your hands on authentic U.S. military surplus items. Go to oldgrouch.com. Check out the links for the online auctions for rare finds and the vintage shop. Unique, really cool items from modern tactical gear to historical collectibles. Tim at Old Grouch's is always finding new stuff. When I started the podcast at the beginning of the pandemic, my first advertiser was Old Grouch's. If you enjoy the show and derive any value from it, I'm hoping that you will consider supporting one of the businesses that make it possible. Lots of gift ideas for that person who loves the military style for fashion or decor. There really is something for everyone at Old Grouch's Military Surplus in beautiful downtown Clyde and online at oldgrouch.com.
I am Jason Lewis, filling in for Pete all this week. And boy, we've got some great guests coming up for you. Dr. John Lott, the preeminent authority on the Second Amendment, will join us later in the week. We'll have a few surprise guests. We may even maybe may even have a few other surprises as well. And by the way, if you want more information on yours truly, uh, Jason Lewis, former member of Congress and former WBT talk show host, check out my new book, Party Animal, The Truth About President Trump, Power Politics and the Partisan Press. It's now available an audio version, yeah, 10 hours of yours truly right there on iTunes or Audible. Um, Party Animals, the name of the book. And also I write a newsletter at jasonlewis.substack.com. And I'll tell you flat out, folks, why I decided to do this. I, I, I was elected to Congress in 2016, came in with the Trump administration, and we were really doing things. We de- started to deregulate. Um, We started to reform education with career and technical education instead of this bias towards a liberal arts degree. Uh, we reformed the tax code. We would have reformed health care had it not been for John McCain. Uh, we reformed the VA so people can be fired and veterans can go to the health care provider of their choice. Uh, we did a whole host of things. And at that point, uh, the swamp, the left, the Democrat media complex said, we got to take Trump out and these people that came in with him. And that's when the censorship started. Uh, That's when the indivisible group started raiding Republican town halls. That was done by Andy Slavitt, who's now been complicit in censoring Facebook over COVID. That's when really the the erosion of our civil liberties took place when the, the, the Trump team, and I was part of that, went to Washington. And at that point, when I was in the 115th and I saw it up close and personal, I had to write about it, and I started keeping a diary, and that's how Party Animal came about, and that's how the the jasonlewis.substack.com newsletter came about. Uh, I hope you can subscribe because it tells you what I know, and it's not pretty. It's not pretty at all, but as we're seeing, um, it's got to be exposed if we want to take our country back. And that's really what it's about. We have a globalist, and I hate the term elite, they're power-hungry people. They're power-hungry people who believe they are exempt because they were born to rule over you. That's who you're fighting. They're not going to give it up. They don't believe in countries. They don't believe in borders. I mean, how else would you describe what's happening at the southern border? Um, How else would you describe their... uh, um, acting as apologists for Big Pharma during COVID, um, for Anthony Fauci, for China. Uh, it, it, is, it, is really, it is really the single greatest threat to our constitutional republic that I've witnessed in my lifetime, and I lived through the Cold War. Because this one's worse because it's coming within. It's coming within. And if we don't get a handle on it now, I fear for the... Uh, Well, as Jefferson said, I tremble for my country. And that is really where we're at. And there is no, absolutely no topic that is off limits to distortion from these people. I'll give you a perfect example. The press, the Wall Street Journal, Bloomberg, CNBC, just, just falling over themselves over Bidenomics and the soft landing. See, inflation is residing without a, out of, Without a recession, while we finally defeated the Phillips curve, we can move on and thank God that Joe printed all that money and raised those taxes. But nothing could be further from the truth. Most people are struggling 
And I'll give you the perfect example of this. Traditionally, if you look at the monetarist view of Milton Friedman, or even an Austrian view from Hayek or, or von Mises, you would say that when the government prints money, and there are only three ways the government can finance a budget that is totally and completely out of control. We'll talk about that tomorrow. I mean, when I got to Washington, our, our budget was around $4 trillion a year. During the height of COVID, it was $6 trillion. I mean, we printed money like there was no tomorrow because you could not tax your way out of that. It would have bankrupted the economy. You could not borrow without interest rates being 21.5% like they were during Jimmy Carter. So what did they do? They turned on the Federal Reserve's printing presses. And now they're saying, ah, no problem. See how well it worked? We got a soft landing. But ask yourself this. Better, better yet, ask your child this. For those of you old enough to have kids in their 20s in college, ponder this for a second. How are you going to pay off your student loans for a college that's overpriced? The fastest growing item on the cost of living index is not groceries, it's not gasoline, it's not even health care, although that's pretty fast. It is tuition. How are you going to pay for that? They're not. So we're going to give it away and have other people pay for it with a, with a loan write-off. But nevertheless, it does, that's just a Band-Aid. But more importantly, ask them if inflation is not a problem now. Eh, CPI has gone down to 3%. We're good. We did it. When do you plan on buying your first home, Johnny or Susie? There isn't a young person within earshot who can qualify for what you and I bought in 1980, in 1960, 50, 40. It is out of their price range. And this is a classic Austrian asset bubble, a direct result of easy money. It has not gone away. It has permanently escalated the cost of a home that has priced out an entire generation of young people from ever enjoying the American dream. And it's a result, it's a cost of government spending that they decided to levy on young people. So you can say, oh, goodness, goodness, th this, uh, uh, this inflation is receding. Look at the cost of gasoline is only three fifty eight. At one point, it was four and a half, five bucks. Cost of other things, supply chains are loosening up. It's good. But what happens when the Fed prints money is it permanently bids up assets. If you own those assets like stocks and bonds and home and real estate, you're fine. But that's those of us who are in our 60s. If you don't and you're trying to get in as a first-time buyer, you are screwed. You're done. The cost of a two-bedroom bungalow is now $400,000. And I exaggerate only for effect. It is outrageous. Young people can't afford it. They can't afford the mortgage financing statement. Used to be 25% of your income should be your mortgage. So what, what the cost of this printing press that started with Greenspan's put, then Bernanke's put, and continued through the, the, the 2008 debacle and then COVID, is we have permanently priced out of the market young people's desire or hope of ever owning a home. Don't tell me that's a soft landing. Don't tell me Bidenomic has worked. 
What we've done is we have permanently lowered the standard of living for people that will now have to reside in a Soviet-style high-rise apartment building next to a light rail station for the rest of their lives because the government priced them out of a home because they decided to print money. Next time somebody tells you the success of Bidenomics and a soft landing, you tell them where their kid's going to buy a home or when. Ask them when. They won't have an answer. But I will tomorrow, back here at noon, once again on News Talk 1110-993-WBT. I'm Jason Lewis. We'll see you then.